attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Hey, it's Jeff here. What you're about to hear is the recording from our weekly Context and Clarity live show that I co-host with Catherine McPhail. Every week, we bring in a special guest that will help us dig even deeper and find even more clarity around the most popular context and clarity topics. This version of context and clarity is simulcast to Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitch. Oh, and did I mention that they're live? We're operating without a net, so we may hit a few rough patches and stumble every once in a while. But I think these guests and these conversations are important enough that we really shouldn't keep them to ourselves. So with that, let's jump into this week's episode. All right, Entree Architect community, it's 4 p.m. Eastern or thereabouts, which means it's time for the Entree Architect Context and Clarity Live because it's Thursday. So welcome to Context and Clarity Live, wherever you are, whether you're inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group, or you are on LinkedIn, or you're on YouTube, or you're one of our many, many fans, uh, just like Kurt on uh, on Twitch, We've got a growing, a growing fan base on Twitch. I think we're up to two now, and uh, so wherever you are, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And even if you're listening in the future, in the podcast version of this conversation, welcome to Context and Clarity Live. Don Zuber, I see you up there in, in uh, the Ann Arbor area, and Scott Thrift all the way out there sitting on the dock of the bay, but in the house. Thanks for joining us. And everybody else, as you come in today, say hi. Let us know that you're here and let us know where you're joining the conversation from. It is always interesting to see where everyone is. If you've never been a part of one of these conversations before, uh, one of the things that's really interesting to me is that we, on a regular basis, will have somebody in California, you know, pick your city in California, and then we'll have somebody on the opposite coast of the United States, perhaps in Boston, and then we'll jump 
an ocean. We'll go over to the UK, maybe down to Africa, and we'll go all the way around the world to Australia, Australia or New Zealand. And those folks are joining us from the future, which is sort of mind-bending here. They're joining us from tomorrow. But it is fun to see how far these conversations spread around the world. So say hi when you get here. Let us know uh, that you're here and where you're joining the conversation from. Uh, I just I see some Facebook users here popping up. So I'm going to click on the little, I'm going to click oh, on the thing. Would you like me to put that on there? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, because... The Entree Architect Community Facebook group is a private group uh, for architects only because of uh, privacy policies at Facebook. Your information is not allowed to leave Facebook unless you allow Facebook and Restream, which is the platform that we use here, unless you allow them to talk. So there's a, a link that Catherine just posted on the screen, chat.restream.io slash FB, as in Facebook. If you click that link, you can go through the process of allowing Facebook and Restream to talk so that we can see your name, just like Pam uh, Magnus has on the screen right now. So hi, Pam. Welcome back from San Diego. So if if you want to do that, you uh, are certainly well, welcome to do that, and we will see your name even if you're in Facebook. Uh, those of you that are elsewhere on YouTube or LinkedIn uh, or Twitch, we will see your name. It's a different uh, different setting there. So that's all that's that's all that is. That's all that's happening there. That's a lot of words. That's a lot right? happening though. So yeah, it's a lot happening. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's great. We've got a good number up in the upper hand, left hand corner of the screen. Lots of people coming in um, for this conversation today. Yep, it's yep. growing. It's great. Growing um, I'm really excited about this conversation and I will, I have to credit others, right? We, from time to time, Catherine will say, I will say, Hey, who do you want? Who do you want us to have as our special guest on context and clarity live? And, um, we get all kinds of suggestions, which are all welcome. We, we appreciate those because there's a, there's a lot of programming. There's a lot of planning that has to go into putting these together week after week. And of course the daily version of it with topics as well. And when we asked that question, oh, I don't know, a month or two ago, several people said, hey, there's this person that has, uh, I'm, I'm trying to hint at it so far. There's this person that has um, uh, a really cool Instagram feed, and we'd really like to have this person uh, as our special guest. And and uh, so we reached out and we had a conversation and that's person is our guest today. We'll get into that in just a second. But once we announced that, a lot of people said, yay, I've, I really, I'm looking forward to that conversation. So this is a highly anticipated conversation today. Even the dogs are are barking and agreeing with that right now. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, really appreciate all of you joining us today. The number keeps climbing on the screen. So that's a great thing. Uh, another thing that I would say is if you have someone that you know that would like to be a part of this conversation, that needs to be a part of this conversation, that would be interested in this conversation, let the message them now, text them now, email them now, and tell them that they can come to the Facebook group or they can uh, go to LinkedIn, find me on LinkedIn. It goes through my personal profile on LinkedIn or go to YouTube. 
the Entree Architect channel on YouTube or Twitch, the Entree Architect stream over on Twitch. They can join the conversation. It doesn't matter where you go in this live version. You can see it. You can hear it. You can comment. You can be a part of the conversation on any of those four platforms right now. So if you know someone that ought to be here, make sure they're here. Reach out to them. Reach out and touch someone. (laughs) <laughs> There's a blast from the past. Uh, b- bring him into the conversation. What I forget, Catherine? Oh, well, we do have a guest in the green room. We do have hey. a guest in the green room. Yeah. And our guest That's the only thing I can think of. In the, green, in the green room as well. Mm-hmm. So there were, there were no, uh, no M&Ms today. It was just kibbles today. It was little treats in the green kibbles. room today. <laughs> so, well, before before this goes too far down the tube, let me just introduce our guest and, and bring them into this conversation today. Uh, our guest today is educated as an architect. She's a creator, an educator, a scientist, maybe even an Instagram influencer. Would you ever have imagined putting all four of those terms together in a sentence? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure if I would have, but, uh, but all of those things are true. Uh, most importantly, though, She's the host of the Building Science Fight Club. Christine Williamson, welcome to Context and Clarity Live. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Do you still have your your guest on your lap? I or do, and they're so quietly sleeping. So I'm trying to, like everything that the screen can see, I'm trying to keep like, I'm trying so to have good. very good posture. <laughs> Like not move. <laughs> I, I completely understand that. Occasionally, we have a, a small, a small canine friend that will uh, will join me for a few minutes. I understand what you're talking about. Um, I've got uh, two right here. Katie, who's an old lady and really likes her naps, and um, Pancake, who is uh, aggressively learning the nap culture in the Williamson household. Well, good, good for Pancake. <laughs> yep, Pancake's got a got a handle on this. Also aggressive at other things like destroying her toys. I I mean I've never seen a dog pull apart toys the way this dog does. It's crazy. <laughs> nice to have a puppy in the house again. I mean they're always puppies. They're they're forever puppies, but there you a go. young a truly young puppy. Nice. Very good. And for those of you that uh, well none of you were able to see this but they're they're dachshunds, right? Dachshunds. Yes, yeah, they're both uh, long-haired dachshunds. Okay. Very good. Great little, great little creatures. They make us better. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I'm glad that they could join us as well. Um, (laughs) Indeed. And uh, everybody else out there, if you, so right now, if you have a dog in the room or a cat in the room or, or some sort of uh, animal friend, maybe even a unicorn dancing on a rainbow, I don't know. uh, Just put in the comments uh, right now, who, who's joining you for this conversation as we get started. But um, I, I wanted to start the conversation today, I think by asking why Building Science Fight Club? What do you mean? Why? Like the name or the concept itself? Or? The whole concept. The whole concept. The whole concept. I mean, it really started as a, um, so Instagram's a photo sharing app, or that's what I understood of it. I mean, I'm sure there's much more to it. Uh, I mean, there certainly is much more to it now, but, um, but uh, it's a photo sharing app. And what we do is very visual. And when I, my my career path kind of diverged from my classmates in architecture school and that mine had more of a, I was certainly on site, on job sites a lot more. And I had a, a focus on 
the more technical aspects of architecture in terms of how physically stuff gets put together uh, in, in the field. And a lot of my classmates just didn't get that. And as I was learning this too, it's very hard to learn this. You feel um, really in over your head a lot. And so as I'm learning this and teaching myself and learning from other people, um, I thought I would get questions from my classmates who were also struggling, but they weren't in the same position as I was in order to be able to actually answer those questions. So they were just relying on what their colleagues would tell them and hopefully their colleagues were right or their principal or whatever. And um, anyway, so I'd get questions from them. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be kind of cool if as I'm learning, as I'm learning this stuff, like as I'm learning it, uh, what if I were to post, take photos on my job sites and like, you know, mark them up, just this kind of stuff I'd put on a site visit report and say stuff like this is the flashing or, or whatever it might be with a really brief technical description uh, about what it is that I'm seeing and uh, to help sort of fill that, fill that site project experience gap that a lot of architects experience particularly early in their careers but it also continues because you don't uh, I think the way the profession is organized a lot of architects really don't end up learning stuff in the field at the same pace as they learn other skills mm -hmm. and consequently feel kind of outmatched right it's like this gap where their their confidence their experience their um, level of knowledge in all of these other areas it is just growing exponentially, particularly at the beginning of their careers. And, and then there's this giant gaping hole that feels kind of significant, like how we actually build stuff. Everybody kind of thinks that's important. And uh, to have that, not, that experience and that knowledge not grow at the same pace as the other learning that uh, occurs in this profession. So anyway, I started doing it really for friends. It was, I was learning myself and it was this spirit. It, you know what it is? It was studio culture. It was, it, it was exactly studio culture, but in the real world. And it was, so how can I, how can I sort of help my friends? And um, it became sort of bigger and bigger. And then it wasn't just my friends. It was their friends and their friends' friends. So now it's, now it's pretty big. Now, of course, it's gotten a lot more um, I've invested from all kinds of weird twists of fate and life have uh, permitted me to invest more in the in the project as it became more successful and bigger anyway. So it's quite a bit more formal now. It's not just me snapping photos and yeah. marking them up. I put a lot of thought into it. It's more like writing a newsletter or an article or something like that. It's a, each post is its own project, but um but it's pretty fun. So yeah, that's, that's how it started. It was pretty, pretty humble beginnings. And I mean, it still is now it's uh, here. It's me and my staff of disobedient little pooches who <laughs> don't contribute very much to the, to the project, but um, you know, that's how a lot of fun things happen. I think. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, you know, talking about your friends and then the friends of your friends. And it's, it struck me as you were saying that this tracks almost exactly like fight club, the movie right, so. oh, right. I, haven't, yeah. I haven't seen the movie yet everybody so oh it's good it's um, i know i meant to watch it before today but yeah i know i know it's been a while so but i was thinking i might do it this weekend for mother's day <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's really a mother's day themed movie <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be themed but i just thought that would be the thing i could do with my kids is it very violent right. maybe i will never watch it yeah it's pretty violent i mean it's not yeah. violent 
I mean, maybe not compared to a lot of what we see today, but it's dark. It's certainly dark. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are some dark themes and some fist fight scenes. So, you know, be warned, but, uh, Mm, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's normal in your family. I don't know. No, I'm never allowed to watch movies like that, but, um, (laughs) they keep, my kids keep it from me, but, um, well, so in relation to your social media, people will have a lot of questions about that. Like, you know, Pam wants to know who are most of your followers. They, uh, a contractor told me about it. So are they architects? Are they contractors? Are they homeowners? Or are they just? So they're mostly, what? they're mostly architects and architects in training. Um, although there's a lot of contractors and builders, uh, some kind of geeky homeowners who I love, <laughs> I love, I love, uh, I love people who geek out on their homes and get into this stuff. Uh, it's, started so it, it started with my actual friends so definitely architects in training I don't think any of us were I'm, I'm still not licensed I don't think my friends were licensed at the time that I started the account maybe one or two of them this was um you couldn't even there's a lot of uh, obviously there's been lots of changes with NCARB and the order you can take these exams and all kinds of stuff but I don't think any of my friends were licensed even close to graduation so so it was architects in training for the most part and then um i suppose beyond that contractors kind of latched on at the at the beginning but um i kind of it's tempting in social media world to live by sort of social media rules instead of what maybe might come more naturally to in-person communities and in that like at the, at the very beginning, when people were starting to, f- to follow the account and it was getting more attention, you're sort of tempted to speak to the audience that's there rather than to the people that you want to speak to or that you're like, I have a particular area of interest and expertise. And I'm certainly comfortable speaking to contractors and I like contractors a lot, but I don't really think that uh, contractors and builders have the same needs when it comes to architectural education that architects do. Architects are approaching this from a really different perspective. And I really think that they're underserved in adult education. And um, so I wanted to, uh, I guess it just, I don't, I don't know if somebody told me this, I can't remember if I just did it, but I just said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to speak. So there was a point where it was, the account was more popular among builders. And I was like, well, I'm just going to speak as though I'm speaking only to architects and we'll just, see what happens and then um uh, gradually then suddenly like like lots of things in life the audience is definitely dominated by architects and architects in training now which is good because i think i think our needs really are different in the field i the example i like to give is that like a contractor might prefer a solution to a particular problem that is more labor intensive but less expensive and an architect might prefer because the contractor is in control of what's happening on the job site and can say, okay, I understand what you're saying. I understand what we're trying to achieve. And I know how to do that. I can do that. I'm capable of that. I know my capabilities. Whereas a, um, a contract or an architect doesn't have the same amount of control on a job site. And when we're making design decisions, we're often doing it before we even know who the contractor is. Or what kind of client this this person is going to turn out to be? So we might favor a design solution to a problem that's maybe a little bit more expensive, but more reliable from a labor and installation 
perspective. And it's important to acknowledge that and to, and to, I think, teach in that way. Architects have a different, and designers in general, have a different role. And I, I don't know too many people who really acknowledge the importance of that, of that difference. Um, so that's one of the, one of the things I, I seek to specifically address for architects. Not, um, I mean, it's not, sometimes I think people maybe misunderstand. They think like when I, I have a course that I teach for architects and I think sometimes people misunderstand. It's like, well, is there, could a builder take it? Could a homeowner take it? Well, yeah, of course you can take it. But the, it's really directed for the responsibilities and background of this particular community. And it's not, it's not meant to deliberately exclude anyone. It's just meant to address these particular, these particular needs. That's a, I, I know when I say this, I'm in danger of going down my own rabbit hole here, but I think that's a really important branding message for architects. Um, I talk about ideal client all the time. Don't spend any time, right? Don't spend any time in, in the branding and marketing world. Yeah, we're talking about attracting the ideal client, et cetera, but what you're talking about is providing content for, and and that's the parallel is don't spend any time trying to attract your non-ideal client, someone that's not your ideal right. client, produce and speak to and design for and all of those things specifically for your ideal client. And if that excludes others, fine, but at least you're serving your ideal and that's the important part. So, or the important point. So I really applaud, uh, that approach because it's, um, you know, it's, I, I forget, I looked it up this morning, 72 or 74,000 followers on Instagram. 74, 74, there you go. 74,000. It seems to be attracting the right people at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. It's really, I'm really, delighted by the by the community and the people who ask really great questions and provide really good comments it's um you know it's not a perfect platform for that particular community so there's some real limitations to it but it's also really unexpectedly uh rich in in the type of learning that you might you might really not expect it from social media which is so funny right because like I remember back before social media, before really even the internet, and I, I remember being in school like a kid and hearing about the, not a kid kid, but whatever, old enough to know stuff. And I was so confused, like the information superhighway, what? I did, I just didn't understand the imagery to that. And, but I remember like, that's what people sold the internet as. It was, you know, people, you'll be able to read any book from all across the world and uh, it will connect you to all these great ideas. And of course the internet is, turned out to be that and a whole lot of other messy, crazy (laughs) stuff. But I think there's some really cool opportunities out there for genuinely enriching experiences. And for for a a whole lot of people, Instagram's become that. So that's kind of nice. But I also started doing this via email too. So if anybody, not really, not everybody is on Instagram and that's, I get that. Um, So I started emailing the same posts that I, um, that I post once a week via email. And it was sort of funny. The first week I did it, I got a really nice note from an architect. I thank you so much. I'm on Instagram, but only one of my offices on Instagram. And I love at least being able to, like I'm reading the same post, but I'm reading it from my computer screen rather than my my phone. So I look more productive in in my (laughs) office. 
so anyway, um, plus it's bigger. People can take a little bit more time with it. Um, anyway, it's a, yeah. Yeah. it's a fun little thing. I'm, I'm, I'm still enjoying it. I'm not to scare people, but there's certainly, it takes a long time for me to do this and I'm not sure that I'll be able to keep it up for, I mean, I'm certainly will not be able to keep it up in its current form forever and ever, but, um, but no plans on stopping anytime soon. So, well, so that's, um, you know, that brings up a great point. What are you, what are you trying to accomplish? And is there an end game? You know, is, is there something, is there something bigger even, or, or maybe even bigger than yourself in, in your goals for building science fight club? Uh, I mean, I have a, I have a lot of goals. I'm not a particularly great businesswoman. So some people have asked me this, including like family members who love me and want me to be successful and happy and stuff. They'll, they'll ask me questions about that. And I feel like just through the questions, I'm like, Oh yeah, I have not thought this through. So um, some of this is really just instinct. I do what is fun for me and it's been fine so far. So that's good. But no, at, at the, the, at the outset, it really was sort of an educational, helpful hobby. And it would help other people, which I, I like very much, but it also helped me in that when you're teaching a concept to someone else, you really do learn it in a different way yourself. And a big part of my business now as then is, I mean, really all of us are in the business of communicating concepts about things that don't necessarily yet exist in the physical world yet and so being a better communicator about complex things is a helpful thing so I was getting that out of it I was um and I was helping other people so it seemed like a pretty harmless fun diversion like uh if I'm going to use social media anyway this is a pretty good way of doing it um so that's that's how it really started and then uh now of course it's like it takes me, somebody else asked, I could see in the, in the chat, like how long do these posts take? Like probably between 10 and 20 hours per post now, which is, I can't keep doing that for fun. That's not well, a that's forever a model. Now, what I have found is, so I started doing that when I was, um, so I've been, I'm an immigrant to the United States. I'm Canadian. And I came to the U.S. for college and have always been on some sort of work visa or another that I would have to renew. But um, I guess just about three years ago, I married an American. And through marriage, I was finally able to apply for a green card. And um, so I applied for a green card. And there's, it, this is a much longer, less interesting, very complicated story. But um, it resulted in me knowing that I would not be able to work for a period. This is not true for every immigrant. It's true for some, and it was true for me. But I, I had this like almost year-long period where I was not allowed to make money. I could work. <laughs> I couldn't make money, though. And so I took, um, couldn't be paid, or I, I couldn't be on a salary. Anyway, I didn't have authorization. And you're never really sure how long this period is going to be before you get approval and all this other stuff. Anyway, and you can actually sort of see, you can guess where this transition happened if you're scrolling through my Instagram feed, because I ended up having the time to really make this, uh, make a bigger commitment to the Instagram feed. But it wasn't so much, I wasn't deciding like, okay, I'm going to commit to growing an Instagram feed for the sake of having a large following. It was really this 
belief that, like I said before, that continuing education for architects is really not very, in my view, helpful or well-developed in a lot of ways, particularly in the building science side of things. Um, in that most of it, I think, is really, we outsource it to materials manufacturers. So the majority of the education after our formal education in school our, uh, you know, professional education is really developed by these materials manufacturers. And they actually do a pretty good job of it, I think. A lot of them do. But they, I believe they can't be our own, that only voice or that the only option for us. And I think that a big part of why a lot of these educational materials are not really reaching architect practicing professionals in a really good way is because they're not developed for that purpose to develop for, you know, these educational things are a mark, part of a marketing effort. Yeah. And I thought, well, what if, what if I pursued education as its own good and I treated it like its own business? So what if I made my job during this time where I can't make money anyway? What if I treated teaching in this professional capacity? What if I treated that as a job? What would it look like to teach architects if you could actually not, um, you know, because we're all billing by hour, a lot of us do hourly billing and stuff. So I was in that hourly model for so long. And I could only if I were going to, if I, I did teach before when I was doing regular consulting work, but I could only devote the number of hours to prepare for a presentation that the payment justified, right? It was what was my fee for the speaking engagement divided by my billable rate? Like that's so whatever that if it's six hours, that's all I had to prepare six hours like and I would try to actually be disciplined enough to stay within that because otherwise you everybody everybody know listening knows this on the billable oh you're like a slave to your timesheet it's terrible anyway so I thought well what if I didn't have to do that anymore and I and then I had this opportunity to not do that anymore I couldn't make money anyway so what if I what if I invested what I not based on what the billable rate called for but what I'd believed the content demanded the actual like what would it actually take to produce something better uh what would it look like so that's what I did I sort of gave myself a an unpaid internship for a year thanks to the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and um that's that's when Building Science Fight Club got a lot more um got a lot more polished but the idea was also to use that to use that content in other in other ways and to teach in other settings. Um, so I uh, during that time I was posting on Instagram, but I was also developing a, a course, a curriculum to teach architects. Um, when I came back to when I was allowed to work, so I launched that about six months ago, last Thanksgiving or so, and um, and it's been really successful. But it had to be for me. It had to be on demand because I still I really like what I do. So I still wanted to be able to actually consult. I, I love teaching, but I wanted something that was a resource that wasn't just dependent on my hours, right? On my availability. Um, so that's sort of how that happened. Now I forget what your original question was, but that's, <laughs> that's what I do. Well, it, it was, it, it was, it was kind of about the, the goals, you know, what, what the future is, but, but you know, you just said a couple of really, well, a lot of really interesting things, but there are a couple of things that, that stand out uh, right now uh, up on the screen. There's a question that Erica asked. She says, is there, uh, are you able to monetize your social media popularity in any way? And what I would 
I, th- that that's definitely an interesting question. What I would also say is, or ask is, are you monetizing the actual social media, and or is the the Instagram is it driving some other ROI, like people to the course that you mentioned a minute ago, or even to clients? Yeah. So. Two, two things. So the consulting business, the, when I, I knew that I wanted to consult on my own privately. So that was my first sort of, I think a lot of, a lot of us professionally have that long-term goal is to be independent, have your own firm. And so that was mine too. And my number one fear with that, like anybody who starts a business like that is where am I going to get clients? Yeah. Am I going to be, you know, so I start my business and then, and then nobody calls. <laughs> You're like, great. <laughs> um, so that was my biggest fear. And that turned out not to be a problem for me. I think even absent having a large Instagram following, but I do not do the Instagram to get clients for consulting. I I learned that as a one, a sole practitioner, I don't, I don't actually need that many jobs to, to, I mean, I guess if I'm trying to have launched this empire, if my goal were to get really rich, this would not be my strategy. But if my goal is to do what I like and earn an, and earn an income and run and have the independence of, of running my own business, um, I did not, I don't need the Instagram as a promotional vehicle for that at all. Um, so, so that was something that was sort of surprising that I didn't, I didn't know about before. In terms of monetizing the Instagram account, I really do not want to do that. I'm about that. I, um, I think if I were a younger person, I would be, I'm so, I'm actually really glad that I'm not. I have a birthday coming up in like a month and I'm very delighted to have some of the really good things that come with age because I think you sort of, a lot of times if you have some sort of talent or skill or opportunity, you assume that you have to take it. And this is an, yes, having a large Instagram account or following is an opportunity, but you don't have to take it. And I'm, I'm not, that's not, uh, that is not a good fit for my personality. I, I'm not, uh, it doesn't make me happy. It make the, even thinking about it now makes me feel sort of stressed out. Um, and also I just don't, it's, I just don't want to do that. I don't want the, that plays into more of the sponsorship model, the corporate sponsorship model of education. And I really just, I, I want to do something different. And I think it's very hard to maintain your credibility when your content is directly sponsored by materials manufacturers. Now, I have thought it would be cool if I could get non-architectural sponsors for the Instagram account. Like, I don't know, if American <laughs> Express <laughs> wants to sponsor Building Science Fight Club, that would be fine. They could write yeah. me a check. I'd be very happy. Um, or Whole Foods, brought to you by Whole Foods. We could have like a... <laughs> A trade, maybe. Like, I can. I, I maintain a trade deficit with with Whole Foods every every week. But um, anyway, so I really value my independence, and uh, I don't. Yeah, so I'm I'm just not interested in in doing that, and I don't think so. I don't think it would be enjoyable. I don't think I would. I just, and I don't think it would be that profitable, honestly, for what it would take. That it would t- it would require me to be a diff to run a, the kind of business that I don't actually want to run. I don't want to be a social media. I don't want to run. I don't want to have the most successful Instagram social media account for among architects. It's not the business I want to start. Not that there's anything wrong with that business, but that's not, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I want to, I like teaching. So I want to teach. 
Um, now, as a business decision, is that less, does it put me in a less successful position if I'm teaching my own classes? So architects are not receiving subsidized education. They're paying for it themselves. Uh, maybe. But I also think the things that you invest in yourself are in a lot of ways more valuable to you. So it makes me really, really proud to have put a lot of effort into developing a curriculum that I ask architects for $750 for of their own money. Most of us are in small firms and it's not like, you know, Gensler's paying the bills for all of us for, for this kind of stuff. And to hear that individual architects running their own businesses find that their practice is positively influenced by a class that they took from me. I just, you couldn't even pay me a better compliment. And they're not just paying the money. It's, it's, it's like a 10 hour course. They're investing 10 hours with me of their own time. And to, to hear that that's actually been genuinely beneficial for people. It, I, I'm just so proud of that. And um, that's a, I certainly hope that it's very, very successful. And I think that there's a, there's definitely a business case for, for doing it. I don't think it's unreasonable for a sizable percentage of the registered architects in the United States to take my course um, over the next 10 years. If, you know, there's 115,000 or 120,000 registered architects in the U.S. and a bunch of others like me who are in the profession and designers but not licensed yet. If I don't think it's unreasonable that five or 10 percent of them over the next 10 years would would take a course from me, um, and that's a pretty good that's a pretty good model for me. That that's pretty nice. Um, apart from apart from sponsorship. So anyway, so no, I haven't monetized it. I'm sure it, like it certainly doesn't hurt having a big following. Um, in particularly, and I don't know what the post-COVID world is going to look like and materials manufacturers, I'm certain will pay me. They did this before to speak at specific conferences and I will very happily take money to do that. But um, the, the idea isn't, the idea is still very educational. And so like, like a lot of architects, right? Entree architects, how many of your members are looking to start an empire and how many of them are really just trying to run a business they like to run and have a nice, quality of life and spend some time with their kids and uh, pursue other interests and hobbies that are important to them and have a full life. How many do you think? What's the, what's the percentage breakdown on that, Jeff? Empire versus good life. It's probably 99% good life. (laughs) I don't know. I'd go for empire. I'm going to go for empire. (laughs) Go for empire. I'm glad to be empire developer. I'm just not, we have to make choices. Yes, see, be my friend, I, but sure. I don't want to be you. <laughs> I, I already see this playing out because what I hear Christine saying is she is never going to have a TikTok version of uh, building science fight club. Because that that would that would mean that she's having to create these TikToks all the time, which would not be all that different. But um, they have a better monetization strategy. But you're right; you would you would turn it you would turn your business into creating TikToks. Now Catherine already has a TikTok empire, so she's yeah. already starting to build her empire. There, so. <clears throat> I've been I've been neglecting my empire honestly <laughs> lately. So, but um, you know, people. My, I found my doctor is a TikTok like has a bunch of. TikTok. I, I don't really understand the whole thing, but yeah. anyway, that was well, sort of funny to see my actual like lab coat doctor <laughs> doing these dance video stuff. Anyway, it's, not all, it's not all dancing. I'm just going to say that, but you know what? Is, people are a good dancer. So is he? 
What's his yeah, name? Yeah, he was great. I was very impressed. Well, I don't want to tell you. I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, call he's him TikTok that. famous already. So I mean, TikTok famous already. Well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just gonna have to wonder if every doctor I see on there is your doctor. That's okay. Yeah. So people, people are. Um, they're all my doctor, Catherine. They're all mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, people are clamoring for a book of your content. Is that a possibility? Yes, it is. I, I definitely would like to write one. It's um, it's just I've. I'm sort of struggling to find my footing in terms of time management with this stuff where I still am running an actual business where I have actual clients that, that I should occasionally um, answer and, um, and help them. Very nice is the um, having a course that sort of works in the background takes a lot of the pressure off of the consulting side of the business where I really don't feel pressure to take, I mean, I feel normal pressure to take clients that don't seem like a good fit, you know, just the social pressure where you want to help people, right? But you don't want to help them if it's going to be a long term. We all know that when we're interviewing clients, we're like, "Uh, I want you to have somebody to help you, but uh, (laughs) it's not a good fit. So that's been really nice. It's taken the pressure off of me for that. But um, writing a book is pretty time consuming. So I definitely want to do it. But there's, um, there's a few other classes that I'm working on developing as well. So I think I'd like to probably have maybe three or four additional shorter classes. I started with the longest one, which maybe was a mistake. So the building science for architects is like completely comprehensive. It's a give me 10 hours and I will get you what you need to feel really competent in, um, in, uh, in this area. And get you equipped to deal with 99% of what comes across your your desk professionally. And for the 1% of the weird stuff, you hire someone for that stuff. But like 90% of what life throws, 99% of what the profession throws at you, you're equipped to handle. So that's, that was the long course. And it took a long, long time. But, um, but I'd like to have a few other shorter ones on specific topics, um, particularly like um, a green building, uh, energy, re- energy efficient design, uh, one for uh, emerging, like really recent grads. This one I've been, it's just a crime that I haven't done this sooner, but I'm, I want to title it like the, well, now I'm like losing my, losing my title, but because I wanted that class, like I would have taken that class when you first graduate. Like I remember the yeah. first site visits, I was like, can they tell? I would try to like scuff up my boots like on the way to the, <laughs> to the job site. So it, like, they, cause it was so painfully obvious that this was my first time, you know, <laughs> anyway, but um, uh, yeah, so there's a few other classes I'd like to develop first. Um, and then I can see Mark writing a note that, uh, that he's ready when I am to, for, for writing a book. And that's, I would love that actually, because I think a lot of, um, I've, we've actually talked about it already. So he's, he's maybe teasing me a little, but um, it's nice to be assisted for stuff like this that are sort of not really in architecture, but I don't even know how to articulate this, but having a publisher who really knows the business of architecture is, I think, a really helpful partner to producing a book or or whatever it might be, a podcast, a video, a, a whatever. Um, and certainly these are specialties, those are their own specialties, but the content is different. Our audience is different. Mm-hmm. And having someone that's that's thinking about that and attentive to that is really helpful. So anyway, all this is to say, yes, I plan on doing a book, but um, I haven't found the time quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, you mentioned the course, right, for the emerging professionals or or some of these others. And so one of the things that we do with Context and Clarity is we start the conversation every morning at 9 a.m. on Clubhouse. And so we'll do a half-hour coffee talk on Clubhouse. And we sort of did a preview of this conversation this morning. The reason I like to do that is uh, because I hear from the audience in real time and their voice um, what they really care about, what they really want to know about the topic of the day. And so we started that conversation this morning and someone asked, and I apologize, I forget who asked this question. I think it was actually a couple of people asked the same or similar question, which was something like, um, what's, what's the big gap or what's the typical gap, right? You see, um, no matter where they go to school, there you go. What are the big gaps understanding in, in understanding that architects have, right? They come out of school, a BARC or an MARC or, you know, whatever their curriculum was. What's the gap between what they learned in school and what they really know? It can obviously be filled with a 10-hour course that gives you 12 HSW <laughs> learning units. But but, but what, what do you think that gap typically is? So what they're missing is a framework for understanding for how they're going to go about their, their professional practice, really. And this has to do with building science, but other stuff as well, too. So you have a design education, but you don't really understand building science. That's one thing. And don't really understand how things get built, like how a job is. I mean, you learn it sort of in school, but you don't you don't appreciate it till you see it. Uh, so how is a job, uh, the contractor doesn't actually build it himself, the contractor or herself, or what, these are teams, right? The general contractor is basically like a coordinator. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not swinging the hammer. They're, they're also administrators. GC is an administrator, has, has a big administrative role, and they assign that work to subcontractors and who actually do the work, and they do it in a specific order. And understanding both building science and essentially the, the division of labor among trades is, are, are, I think, the really, really big gaps. And what's helpful is you don't learn those things overnight. What's, what I think a lot of architects are operating without is a framework for understanding information related to those topics. And the example I give people is, like, you will pick this stuff up in professional practice. People do all the time. and you depending on who you are do a pretty reasonable job of it over over a career but you're still kind of it's a little bit like going on a vacation abroad and picking up a phrase book for a foreign language and you can you can learn some sentences in a foreign language to get by in your foreign country on a vacation and and do pretty well but if you actually had a framework if you had a, a grammar and an understanding of, of a basic understanding of the language, well, then you can start to actually express original thought and to really communicate rather than just playing from a, from a phrase book. And I think a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of practicing architects and architects in training are, are still working off of their frame, their, their phrase book, and they're finding that inadequate because you know, you get, you try to have a conversation and you can only answer, like there's a very limited number of questions you know how to answer with your phrase book. Uh, and you, and you really, and you certainly have a, a difficult time expressing original thought. 
and building science and the course I teach anyway, or and even in, even the individual Instagram posts, try to help develop a, a framework so that afterwards, like once you have the framework, afterwards, you're just expanding your vocabulary. And you get to be, it facilitates creativity rather than, rather than most, I think most practicing professionals experience building science and constructability issues as, as constraints and, uh, and, and things that limit their creativity. But if you, if you have this framework, it's just like a language and it's, it starts being part of the, part of the background. You start, you start seeing the, the poetry of something and, and enjoying the poetry of something rather than like saying subject, verb, like <laughs> whatever. Um, it becomes, it becomes natural. So I think that's, so what's missing? I think a framework for understanding both building science and, um, the division of labor among, among the trades is, um, is missing and that it's leaving a lot of, a lot of really talented and smart people to try to, do the best they can by picking it up as they go along, by basically just memorizing stuff. And that's a very, very slow and difficult way to learn. As, as someone that once used the phrase books to get <laughs> to the point of ordering gelato in Venice outside of St. Mark's, um, I really appreciate that analogy. <laughs> but yeah, it was really yeah. good gelato though. Um, Always worth it in the end. <laughs> yeah. What, um, so with, with all of that, what advice would you have? Let's just say if there's someone watching or someone that watches this in the, in the future or listens to the podcast version of this in the future that maybe they're in school now, or maybe they just graduated. Maybe they're studying for the ARE. I don't know. It's a young person. Let's just say it that way. What advice do you have for them to prepare themselves? You know, as, as you were describing that, I, I grew up around construction, you know, as family and friends. And so I worked construction jobs and I spent a lot of time on job sites as a teenager and things like that. So I feel like I've got an advantage or, or had an advantage when I actually uh, worked in, in architecture. But um, what, would you, what would you recommend for a young person that maybe wants to accelerate or enhance their education? I think the number one, so from a practical perspective, purely practical perspective, my, the best advice is to learn the names of things. Mm -hmm. Go order all those books from Francis Chang and go through them in your spare time, flip through. It doesn't have to be this, this giant endeavor, but learn what things are called. And if you know the names of things, you start to actually see them differently. Like, you probably do not see a soffit until you know the name of a soffit. I mean, you, of course you've seen it, but you haven't really seen it. You don't know the, you don't, you don't have a language for it. There's also like, actually, if you're sort of interested in, in language and linguistics as I sort of am, um, not in any kind of disciplined way, but um, there's really interesting philosophies sort of tied, tied to that, knowing the name, having, having words to express thoughts and actually being able to think them as being connected. I think it's this sapir whorf hypothesis. Anyway, the division of linguistics is kind of interesting. Um, Orwell talks about it a lot too, where if, you're, if your language is sloppy, it leads to sloppy thoughts. Um, anyway, totally different, but learn the names of things in architecture. And that's something that you can start doing no matter no matter where you are in your in your studies or your ARE path or or whatever, 
Um, and that I find particularly enriching. You start seeing things differently. Um, so that's something I would do that's pretty simple. Um, cause once you start seeing things, the next step is thinking about how they're built. Um, how did that get there? What was there first? Like who installed that? Was it the same person who installed the thing that's next to that thing? Um, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. but you have to, uh oh, have you I lost? Make sure you don't mispronounce here? the thing too. No, you're, you're, back. You, you're back. You're back. Ah, you, don't uh, worry about that, though. I cut out for a minute. <laughs> the Ching books. Everybody loves the Ching books. But um, yeah, the the names of some of, of things is um is really helpful. I still do that. I still have the. I still have those books. I still refer to them. I'm still learning the names of new things that I shocked. I just, and also, I, I'm sure people can share the have that shared experience where you're like, how do I not know that? I've been doing this for like a decade. <laughs> Why did I never see that before? Yep. Yeah. I'm always I'm always worried about mispronouncing things that I should know. Like, you know, like a gunnel and a boat is you it's written out like gunswale, I think, or something like that. But if you said that around somebody who knows about I it, they'd laugh that. at you. I never yeah, knew I don't that. Have to look up so about, I but stuff like that. Seeing it written and thinking that it's Right. That's a problem with seeing things written that oh. makes me feel like mumbling no, on the job site. Like that's the <laughs> <laughs> Because there's always well, a different, it seems like it's always a different but pronunciation. There's so many, so I practice everywhere in, in the U.S. and abroad too sometimes. And it, it is actually really funny where some people, that's one thing I'm really grateful for Instagram uh, for and just having a, a geographically diverse professional practice, which started before Instagram. Uh, that gave me a lot more confidence because there, I would think that I was a moron for saying something wrong or, or saying something differently. And then I realized, no, you're not a moron. I just say it differently over here. Or somebody, I gave a presentation once, uh, or I was interviewed for um, this old house uh, about window installations. And, uh, and I kept calling it the flange of a window. And some, some commenters were like, it's a nailing fin. And they were angry, like really angry that I called it something that they didn't like or they weren't used to. And I, I know that that's not wrong. I know that neither one is wrong, but because um, people call it different things in different places. I prefer what I call it because it's what I call it, but no judgment. But anyway, <laughs> there's, that, there's, that there's more than one name for something can be, uh, can be a little trying. Yeah. This, is, this is where the fight club aspect comes in. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Nailing, Which nailing. people are not intended to take too literally. <laughs> I asked people if I should change the name actually because I was a little, um, you know, it started as a totally as a joke, and then it got really big, and um, I, 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 I'd gotten a few sort of aggressive comments on um, on Instagram, and then and people who had alluded to um, to the. Uh, well, it says Fight Club in the name. I mean, so it's totally, totally cool. And construction is pretty aggressive anyway. So it's not, I'm not, uh, this is stuff we're, we're used to. Spending time on sites, people, people get fired up. So that's, that's okay. But, um, but I thought, well, maybe I should change the name because I don't want to encourage like actual fighting. The, the point is to learn. But then have people, you're shaking your head. Jeff. People were overwhelmingly like, do not change the name. Like, I know it's a joke. And also it's fun and playful. And um, it is good to have a sort of a, this, this word is 
overused, I think, a lot, but a safe space to sort of hash stuff out among professionals. It's not in front of your boss, not in front of your clients, you know. Uh, so you get to kind of duke it out a bit in a, in a hopefully fun setting, if it comes to that. <laughs> I, I think that ought to be like a weekly lunchtime activity at most firms. They can they can hash it out like that, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You talked about uh, earlier that that you're you're serving clients, right? I mean that's that's ultimately you're you're a consultant, so you have yep. you you have your practice and. One of the things I think is really impressive on your website is the clarity of, you know, you, you basically explain what a building scientist does and you explain the, you know, why would you hire this and what would you expect? And, and, and it's real talk in, in my, 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 uh, translation, uh, my sum, summarization is that, uh, it's real talk. You know, this is what it is. This is what it means. Um, and I think that's very important. So kudos for all of that. And I know we had gotten some some questions about, one, where did you find the clarity for what you wanted to do and what you love? But also, there you go, uh, from Jay, talk about how you arrived at such clarity around your fees as well. And that's a, that, that I think is probably where I was headed was, um, how did you... How did you boil it down to the point that it's so understandable, it's so approachable, and then also attach this fee to it? You talked about hourly before, and I love the fact yes, that you don't, yeah. you don't have hourly. Um, I don't do hourly you know. anymore. Nope. Yeah. So can you, can yeah, you speak to that? I really don't like it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I really, because I, th I think hourly, first of all, it's it depends on what your business model is. And for a lot of people, hourly billing remains the most uh, practical way of accounting for for your labor and running your business. So, okay, it's you've got to find a way to get paid. If that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. Um, if you don't have to do it, though, don't don't think that you have to. So, I don't do it. I'm a sole practitioner, and I don't like to think of projects that way. And actually, I think most people don't either they the hourly fees are sort of supposed to keep you disciplined with stuff and maybe they do but most of us approach our work like look if I'm not proud of this and I've sort of maxed out the, the budget I don't care like my, my sort of time budget I'm going to work at this until it until I'm proud of it and I'm gonna eat the I'm gonna take the hit on the hours so I, basically I'm not gonna put them on my timesheet um, so whatever we do that all the time, the games, you, the mental acrobatics that accompany most timesheets was just exhausting for me. Um, so whatever I like a lot of people, I hate hourly fees. I try not to do it anyway. Um, what I decided I wanted to do with consulting was that I'm pretty good at it. And so I thought, well, I don't need to attract, I don't have a staff to keep busy. I don't have a lot of, so I don't, I don't need to take jobs that are smaller. I can take big jobs, demand a, a big fee, and then and tell people like, you will not get a bill for 15 minutes for this. Like phone calls are free. Like everything is included. You, I want you to call me because when you call me, 
to resolve something now. I don't want you to save up questions until you have enough for a phone call or whatever. We're going to work till we get it done. Because that's how we produce, like, that's how I was working anyway. I just wasn't being paid for it. So I asked for a bigger fee and people appreciate not being nickel and dimes. I think the, the hourly model sort of encourages a certain amount of nickel and diming. Like you nickel and dime your customers and then you train them to nickel and dime you. And I, I just really, I wanted to do that. So this is an experiment. I'm not, I'm not speaking as some expert here. Like I've been doing this for a year. I, maybe it's worked out really well so far. Maybe it, maybe it won't long-term. So we'll have to have this conversation again in a few years. But um, in terms of how I speak about my fee and about architecture fees in the industry in general on my website, that is where Instagram has actually really helped. I recognize that I have a lot of eyes on me, even outside of the architecture world. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to write about what hiring consultants was like and what clients should really budget for that kind of stuff. Not really for myself, but more as a service to the industry to sort of set expectations someplace. Like if you want to hire a good team, they cost money and you should be, the client should be prepared to, to pay them. And this, I think, I think the way I speak about it gives people reasonable expectations for what they can expect to budget for, for the type of help that they might need. And I wanted to also dispel the uh, idea, myth, whatever, that if an architect has to hire a consultant, that it means that they're not, that they're somehow not competent on their own. Architecture has a lot of different requirements to it. And it's not unusual for for somebody to, to, for a normal person, a human, to not be a specialist in all things. So. Um, so a, a, a client can hire, an owner can hire an architect for a whole bunch of reasons, uh, but not they should not expect their their architect to be an expert in everything, and they should anticipate that the architect will require outside help for in particular contexts and whatever whatever that is for the for the job it is, whether it's an acoustical consultant, a building scientist, they should, they should budget accordingly. And we really feel strongly about about that that it's not an Having to hire extra extra help to address specific concerns in design is not a failure, does not indicate some inherent weakness on the part of the professional at all. It, in fact, it's smart. It's the professional is smart enough to say, to understand their limitations and say, well, here's where we're going to spend some extra money. And, and it's sort of silly because we don't, I think I see this attitude in architecture, but I don't see it in like construction. Like nobody's surprised that the roofer doesn't also install the bathroom tile, you know, like <laughs> that's okay. And, but somehow in architecture, your architect, the same architect who is going to design your, your family room and your kitchen is also meant to be a specialist on attic ventilation rates. Like, come on. Uh, it's it's okay to to collaborate and to to bring in help and and clients whether they're residential or commercial should be our, our buildings are very complicated and they should be prepared to put together a good team compensate them fairly and and then let them do wonderful work and 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 enjoy and appreciate the results but if you don't give your team 
the resources to actually solve the problems that you're asking them to solve, you're not going to get a good result. You're not going to get a good solution. So anyway, so that's what I, I, I'm really specific. Anybody listening, I'm very specific on my website about why you might need a building scientist. And it's written in a way I'm almost writing it. I'm, I'm kind of writing it for both of our clients. I mean, I'm writing it for an owner to see and to understand the process and I'm sort of priming them to, to open their wallets, really. So um, I really wanted to convey that expertise costs money and that people should be prepared to, to pay for that. And for those of you that are listening, or, or well, even if you're in the live audience right now, uh, you can find that at christine-williamson.com. That's a place that you can go and find all these things that we've been talking about here for the last uh, few minutes and, and how Christine explains it, what the, what the fees look like and, and things uh, like that. So check that out, christine-williamson.com. Um, great, uh, great message from Mark R. LePage on the screen there. Mark says, you're such a great teacher. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And, uh, I Thanks, agree Mark. <laughs> Mark's such a cheerleader for our industry. I love it. I, I really love to see it. I love him lifting up so many great people doing cool stuff. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> you're great at what you do too. <laughs> So, so Christian, am I a member? I'm seeing a question. Am I a member yeah. of EA? What is EA? I don't think so. Oh, um, Entree. Entree no. Um, it's uh, free. It's free. Facebook. There's no fees. Sorry, There's I no want to be. I want to be, but I just like cannot learn another social media thing. We like, want you to be make, though, Christine. So. I know. Can you make me honorary or like do the Facebook part mm-hmm. for me? I just can't yeah. do another. This is how we make you honorary. Okay. This is, this is what you, all you have to do is go to Facebook and then go to Entree Architect Community. And then just press the join button and then you're be an honorary member. I don't right? even like, know how to log in. Like it face, tells me Facebook. So I had a Facebook account in like really early. And then I suspected that so I was in my twenties and I suspected that social media was not good for my mental health. Uh, so I took a break for it one summer and I was like, well, you know, cause they would, they own your, at the time you could, I don't know if this is still the case. You could delete your account. And if you change your mind, you'd log back in and like everybody would still be your friends. Your photos would still be there. Everything would be the same. It'd be like you never left. So I deleted it thinking that that was my like, my backup was like, well, it's no big deal, whatever. And I just never, so I never went back until I started, I, I have a login, I think building science fight club the username just to have the username. Cause somebody, somebody told me like, you should, I don't know, get a patent for it or something, not really a patent, but whatever. And um, so I was like, well, I'll at least have the Twitter. So I have the Twitter name and the, and the Facebook name. And I got, Catherine, it took me like probably a week of dealing with all this stuff. And, and I did log in and my stuff was there from 15 years ago. And anyway, it was all very weird. Um, and it's, it's uh, obviously causing me trauma. So no, yeah. no dice, <laughs> no more Facebook. It was reminding no, me of no. my insecure twenties. Okay. So, I understand that. I can get that. I should anyway, whatever, but it's just another social media thing. So I'm kind of maxed out on, uh, on, on Instagram. I did after, but I, I will tell you that I am uh, susceptible to peer pressure. I was peer pressured <laughs> into, uh, into good doing, to know. doing an email newsletter for the, for Instagram. Um, and 
I thought it was going to be like way too much work. I thought it was going to be just so much work and it's actually easier than doing Instagram. <laughs> so, so I've yeah. only done it for like three weeks now and I love it. So anyway, it, but, but I will say that you got to be in for the long haul. So you're going to have to pressure me for years. It took me probably two years of pressure before the email list came out. So, <laughs> okay. Good to know. We'll just keep the pressure on. Yeah. Keep the pressure so, on. <laughs> mark, it on, mark it on your calendar. This is uh, May 6th. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm looking at the, uh, at the time and I noticed I did not do, uh, not even didn't do a good job. I didn't do any job of winding this down towards the top of the hour. So, um, out of no. respect for, uh, for everybody, um, and everybody's time, uh, Christine, thank you very much. This has been a great conversation. Um, it's it's been it's ver- been very enlightening, and I, I I too, you know, I um, I'll echo what Mark and others are saying. Um, I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for for doing it, and 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 the quality level that you're you're putting into it. Um, you you really are making a difference in the profession. So I appreciate that. Appreciate you for that. And thanks for joining Thank us for you. this conversation thanks for, today. Thanks for saying so. It's really, um, I mean, what it, I just can't, I couldn't have imagined in school that I'd ever be in a position to actually contribute to the profession that I love. I've been, I think for a lot of, a lot of us, like we peak late, right? <laughs> like real late. And I think it's, we're sort of receivers of mentorship and teaching and other people's generosity for so long. It's almost unbelievable to ever be in a position to, to be on the giving side. So um, I'm still a receiver. Don't get me wrong, (laughs) but it's nice to start to make contributions. So thank you for thanking me. I hope I can still do it. Um, Everybody, everybody who's in this crazy community, Entree Architect, Building Science Fight Club, the architecture in general, it's, um, it's such a joy to be part of this, uh, this community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And for everybody that's out there, whether you're live right now or you're listening to the podcast version of this there, I'm going to suggest three places for you to go. Number one, go to Instagram, Building Science Fight Club on Instagram. And, uh, number two, and there's going to sort of be this theme reoccurring here. Go to buildingsciencefightclub.com, which is mm. where you can find the course, uh, Building Science Fight Club course. And then, like I mentioned just a minute or two ago, go to christine-williamson.com and find out about the consulting side, the the building science consulting side, the Christine's practice. So those are the three places that I would suggest that you go. Christine, is there anywhere else that they need to go? No, that's pretty good. The, um, uh, yeah, the, the, my website itself, it's not really just to, to be, pay a cost for me at buildingsciencefightclub.com. That would be awesome. And I, yes, give me money. I would love that. But the christine-williamson.com, the portion that explains building science consulting, like what it's about is not so that you hire me. It's, um, it's kind of a research, it's sort of a, a third party reference for clients. So that if you're hiring any consultant, I mean, hopefully not me. I don't, I'm not, I don't need any more work, but, um, <laughs> but it's, I think it's, a pro, I hope it's a good reference for, for clients so that you can, it's funny. It's funny how our clients 
actually, that's another thing that, that I know we're concluding, but another thing that the Instagram sort of authority that comes from having a large following has is that I didn't invent building science at all. Everything that I'm saying has been said by other people before many times, but it's also, it's been really nice, I think, for practicing professionals to point to someone else who said it to a builder, a client, whatever. And so anyway, so christine-williamson.com and Building Science Fight Club on Instagram are good resources to point other people to so that you're not the one on the ledge making the making the claim. You can, you've got backup in me. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, we appreciate your backup. That's valuable. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun to talk you to you. Back me up, I <laughs> right on. Well, good right stuff. Well, thanks, that. guys. Have a have a good night. I hope I can't. Yeah. You can't hear my dogs playing too much here. It's close to dinner time for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's good. It's uh, it's time for dinner for everybody. Well, not everybody, but a lot of, <laughs> a lot of folks on the call right now. So, to those of you that are out there uh, with us live, thank you for joining us. Uh, I say this every day. Um, uh, I really appreciate all of you. I appreciate you coming to the conversation. I appreciate all of your questions and your comments. And, um, and and I really do mean it when I say I appreciate you making context and clarity a thing. Because if you hadn't, um, you know, back months and months and months ago, we would never be having this conversation with Christine right now. Um, it's because you invested your time and, and uh, attention in context and clarity that we started this version of it where we have our guests like Christine every week. So thank you for that. Um, in the meantime, I'll be back again tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel, 4 p.m. Eastern, only inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group tomorrow. But we're going to sort of uh, sort of related to Christine and her career. We're going to talk about niche specialties or niche specialties. You know, f- you figure There's out how to another word it. We, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll never figure that one out. I've given up on that one. So yeah. um, we're going to talk about niche specialties tomorrow. That's sort of blending the two. Um, <laughs> that, that'll be our topic. I'll be on Clubhouse at 9 a.m. Eastern to start the conversation, then in the Facebook group at 4 p.m. Eastern to continue the conversation. Um, this conversation with Christine will come out in its podcast form on Monday at noon Eastern. And then, of course, the uh, short form Context and Clarity podcast comes out every morning at 12.01 Eastern, 12.01 a.m. Eastern. So uh, you can find Context and Clarity in a lot of different versions in a lot of different ways. But uh, thank you all for this. Um, Until Clubhouse or until the podcast or until the conversation tomorrow morning, please take care of yourself. Be well. Stay safe. Keep those around you safe and well. And uh, take a little bit of time to breathe tonight rejuvenate a little bit, come back again, ready to go at it tomorrow because we're going to do this again. So I hope I see you all again sometime soon. Have a great evening. See you around. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's Context and Clarity Live episode. Selfishly, I love these conversations because I get to be the go-between between you and some really incredible guests. To that end, I want to know what you think about today's guest. Message me on the socials. I'm really easy to find. I'm Jeff underscore Eccles everywhere. If you happen to run across a white-haired chiropractor from Austin, Texas, yeah, that's not me. I'm the other Jeff Eccles. Oh, and if you have an idea for a future guest, tell me who it is and why you think they'd be a good guest for one of these conversations. Maybe we can get them on a future episode. 
Thanks again for listening. I appreciate you, and I'll see you next week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.